The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. This is the show that brings you a psychological perspective on common and current life issues. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hi, folks. Thanks for joining me again or for the first time on Psych Up Live. We have a very important show today. We're going to look closely at adopting a rescue pet. It's worth knowing that 6.5 million cats and dogs still enter animal shelters each year, and that sadly 1.5 are euthanized. That needs to change. The name of our show today is Mutual Rescue because we're going to look at what happens when people and pets adopt each other. Our guest is Carol Novello. Carol is a Harvard MBA, a former software executive, She's the founder of Mutual Rescue, a recipient of the Maddie Hero Award for Innovation and Leadership in the Animal Welfare Sector, and the author of a wonderful new book entitled Mutual Rescue, How Adopting a Homeless Animal Can Save You Too. Carol Novello, it is my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Thanks so much, Suzanne. It's a delight to be here. Um, Carol, maybe you can explain to our listeners exactly what is the initiative Mutual Rescue? Mutual Rescue is really about changing the conversation from people or animals to people and animals. So one of the things that was really interesting when I transitioned from being in the high-tech world over into animal welfare, and I started raising money and talking with people about the work I was doing, And they were sometimes perplexed and said, oh, there's so many people in the world that need help. You really should be focusing on people, not animals. And what I saw every day in my work was how animals were transforming people's lives. Mm. And so I really wanted to elevate the cause of animal welfare because, in fact, it's not taking away from humanity's woes. It's actually part of, of solving the problems that we're facing as humans. And your book and your and the stories in your book certainly show that. Now, you had started as part of Mutual Rescue doing short films with David Whitman, and they went viral. They were they were um, the stories of Eric and Petey. What prompted you and what is it that you hope the book will do for our listeners? Yes. So the the short films came about because we felt that would be a very visceral way for people to understand this idea that helping animals helps people. So we put out a call for stories and asked people to submit their stories so that we could make these short films. And we decided that what we wanted to do was make a short film ahead of time so that people would know why they wanted to submit their story. And I had been sharing Eric O'Gray's story in a presentation I was doing out in our local community around why helping animals helps people. And that one film, which we launched to attract more stories, um, ended up being viewed 100 million times across the globe on various social media Mm. platforms. And putting that film out there into the world, we then received hundreds and hundreds of stories that people submitted about their own mutual rescue And with all of this wonderful content, um, we knew that there was an opportunity to do more than just the films. Because you can only share so much in in a five-minute short film. And what we wanted to do with the book is really be able to not only tell the heartwarming stories, but also bring in the research behind it and help validate in our heads what we already know in our hearts. And the research and the academics are proving that out, that indeed animals are really impacting us in a variety of ways. And you really see that and and really read about it in the book, and we're going to share that now with our listeners. So the book is divided into four sections, uh, heart, 
body, mind, and connection. And you say, and you can feel it when you read the examples, really there's a little bit of that in every story and in every example that you give. Now, as I mentioned before we started today, you know, the country and young people in schools all over again suffered a hit when there was another shooting this time in Denver and for the second time actually in Denver um, and I wondered if in your heart section you talked about the impact of using therapy dogs and comfort dogs to help those children in Parkland return to school and you talked about two individual children and how that in some way led to even adopting. I wonder if you could share one or both of those stories. Sure. Yeah, my heart absolutely just breaks uh, for the Denver community right now. It, uh, I can't even begin to imagine just the trauma and the upset. And unfortunately, as this ha- is happening in communities across our country, how do we help people get back to an equilibrium where they feel that they can function and get past the trauma? And actually, in Chapter 1 of uh, mutual, the Mutual Rescue book, I highlight two students um, from Parkland who rescue therapy animals uh, played a huge role. The first was Grace, and Grace uh, was very traumatized by the event. She didn't know how she was going to be able to continue um, to go to school. And, you know, there were therapists available, and she talked to therapists. But she actually credits therapy dogs uh, with being in school every day that helped her be able to get through the school year. So there's a wonderful shelter that Howard, uh, Humane Society of Broward County, and they started a program called Canines for Community Resilience. And it's uh, a program of shelter dogs that uh, are able to help out in times of trauma. And so they, uh, what's so wonderful is because they were local they were there when other groups, you know, left. Mm-hmm. And so they were able to bring their rescue dogs uh, to the school on a regular basis for the students. And, you know, Grace really says the dogs were the key that led her back to her new self to be able to feel, you know, comfort and, and courageous again. And the other student, Jonathan, was having an equally tough time and he you know, after seeing the dogs in school, he came home and he said to his dad, I think I need a dog. <laughs> right. And uh, so they went out, um, a wonderful uh, local organization there, 100 plus abandoned dogs of the Everglades. Uh, they they uh, uh, allowed uh, Jonathan to adopt the dog for free. They underwrote the, the cost for him. Uh, and again, just having this place where you could feel safe and loved and secure really made a difference in these students' lives and, and helped them get back to their, their new selves uh, so that they could go forth in the world. You know, Carol, when I read those examples, because I do a lot of trauma work, it just started to make so much sense. In these situations, there really are no words. And the victims and the survivors, they can hardly tell what it is that they have been traumatized by and what has happened with with animals, with dogs, with cats even. But in this case, with dogs, you don't need words. Yeah. And these, these shelter dogs throughout the book, you know, we use the term for um, people who have really stepped past their trauma we call it the wisdom of a survivor it's almost like these shelter dogs who themselves have been traumatized have an uncanny way of knowing who needs them just how close to get it's really startling how attuned they are to someone who really like this little girl and that young boy they didn't really have any words but just touching an animal the predictability of the animal. It's so therapeutic. So it was so poignant to me to read those. Yes, they really bring a a presence, I think. It's a grounding presence and a very calming presence. And that is is what you need in the face of of your, when your world's been turned upside down. Uh, Now, one of the things that, and you mentioned the research So let's just take a quick look at the science of attachment and 
how did we get from wolves to dogs? <laughs> Seventy, you say seventy-three percent of dogs sleep in their in the beds, and I I know that's true. And uh, <laughs> and most cats own the sofas and the chairs. So I mean, I've walked into all my children have dogs, and I've walked into a living room and go, well, okay, everything's taken. So <laughs> there is nowhere to sit. You sit on top of them or next to them. So how did it happen? I think you talk a little bit about some of these evolutionary biologists. Can you share just a bit about how that happened? Sure. There are two concepts in psychology that I found really interesting uh, in attachment theory. Specifically, it's secure bases and safe havens. And a secure base is something that helps us feel more confident to go out into the world. And a safe haven is exactly kind of as it, as it sounds a place where we feel safe and we can receive comfort. And these are basic psychological needs that we have. And attachment theory has usually focused on that, the role that humans play for one another in meeting those psychological needs. But more recent research has actually shown that cats and dogs and other companion animals can play that role for us as well. And that's actually why I think Grace and Jonathan uh, were able to get back to themselves and, and get rooted in a sense of, of their ability to face life because the rescue animals were providing this safe haven, mm-hmm. this secure base for them to be able to uh, go back out into the world. Right, right. So true. And I think it makes sense in terms of evolution that those wolves who dared to get closer or were able to get closer to the humans for food um, generated into those animals so comfortable to attach to us. Yeah, it really is amazing. And the funny thing is, this was also really interesting. I had heard about, you know, wolves coming uh, to hum- being around humans because of food. But uh, in part of the research talked with uh, Dr. Brian Hare, who is Uh, He founded the Canine Cognition Center at Duke University. And the real reason, it was food, but essentially it's kind of gross. The the wolves were coming around because human poop is actually a pre-digested form of food. And so they started coming around because that was a really easy source of food to get was consuming human poop. And from that, um, you know, the less aggressive animals were the ones that would get closer and then you know, humans started to recognize that there was benefit there as well, that dogs made good hunting companions and just good companions in general. So we ended up creating this, this um, you know, potentially what, you know, would have been two predators really learned to uh, trust each other and rely on one another and love one another um, through this opportunity of getting closer to each other. Mm, It's fascinating. It really is. Now, the next area that you touch on is healing the body through adoption and connection to animals. Um, One of the things that struck me was how animals aid with getting over addictions. Yes, that was one of the most interesting pieces of the research for me. I had never really run across that before. But more and more, what addiction research is showing is that a a huge component of the disease is related to disconnection. And part of what animals do is help us connect. And in connecting, it also releases really powerful biochemicals like oxytocin and prolactin and serotonin that help us feel better physically in our bodies. And it also provides a a sense of purpose and a reason to get up in the morning. And so we look at addiction as something as being a physical disease, which is why it is in in the body section of the book. But it's the role that these animals play in helping us have a purpose and helping us feel connected that provides uh, the strength that can enable people to overcome these physical addictions. Mm. Now, I wonder, could you give an example on one of those stories? Yes, absolutely. In fact, we'll be releasing a new mutual rescue film next week called Sarah and Domino. Uh, Sarah and Domino's story is also in the book. Yes. And this is a young woman who, you know, all-American girl. She uh, was an honor student in high school 
and she ended up with a connective tissue disorder uh, as she was going into her 20s. And in order to deal with that, she went to see a doctor who prescribed opiates to her. Mm. And she ended up getting addicted to opiates. And her doctor subsequently lost his license because he was over-prescribing these medications. But she was already hooked. So she turned to the streets. She was doing heroin to try and deal with this and was just spiraling downward. She went into rehab. She got herself clean. But she was feeling disconnected and alone. And she realized, she's like, oh, my gosh. I am going to relapse if I don't, I've got to do something. And she found out that there was a neglected dog uh, living in a home. Somebody didn't want this dog. And so she went to see if she could adopt this animal, take this animal in. And even though she wasn't in very good shape, she knew she was a better alternative for this dog. She adopted the dog Domino and she credits Domino with keeping her alive and helping her to transform her life. And she really realized she needed to stay sober so that she could take care of this animal that she deeply loved. And he inspired her to become trained as a, a, a dog behaviorist. Mm-hmm. And now she has her own business where she's working with other people and helping to train their dogs. And Domino is the reason she says she stays clean and sober. It's just a, it's just a wonderful example of the dog giving her a purpose not only to keep the dog alive but it's a mutual rescue purpose as you <laughs> exactly. say because it's to keep her alive too it's it's addictions are so hard to deal with that it, it was I also had not heard much about um pet rescue and the value of addictions, but you even cite research in which people feel, I think you have the Life and Recovery Survey Canadian Center um, studies where 72% of people in that particular group said it, it very much reported the pets as a source or important step toward their recovery. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, again, it gets back to that psychological concept of a a secure base and a safe haven. And that's part of, I think, why uh, when people are coping with addictions and trying to find their way through it, that pets can play a role. Mm, for sure. Um, Carol, we're going to take a brief break, and I want our listeners to know we're going to come right back and talk much more about mutual rescue. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Carol Novello. She's the founder of Mutual Rescue and the author of the new book, Mutual Rescue, How Adopting a Homeless Animal Can Save You Too. Stay with us. We have much more. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. There are many people who claim to be dog experts, yet they don't really provide a connection between dog owners and their best friend. This is where the BS stops. Listen for Taming the Wild in Your Dog with expert, author, and nationally recognized dog trainer Brian Bailey. Each show has experts, professional trainers, and veterinarians to give you the right answers. Listen for the safety and well-being of your dog. Listen every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, 
Decide that you have something to say and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. Hi, folks. Welcome back. I want to underscore what you just heard. We would love to hear... If you have a rescue story about you and a rescue pet, call in, share it with all of our listeners. Again, that number was 1-866-472-5788. We're back with Carol Novello, her book, Mutual Rescue, How Adopting a Homeless Animal Can Save You Too. Carol, we were talking about an area neither of us had heard that much about, but it's clearly so powerful, and that is... How rescue pets um, help people in their journey to recover from addiction. I was wondering if there was another example you had on that. Yes. In fact, the chapter on addiction in the Mutual Rescue book opens up with a story about Gemma, uh, a woman from the United Kingdom who, uh, again, just like Sarah, found that having a rescue animal gave her a purpose and a reason to stay sober, get sober and stay sober. And one of the things that was so interesting about this particular dog that she adopted, Prince, is she was actually in an abusive relationship at the time and they adopted this dog together and she wasn't really sure that she wanted uh, this dog But it turns out that the dog gave her, you know, a reason to get out of the relationship. And she really uh, took the time to train this dog and focus this dog. And she found herself at one point, she kind of was having an emotional breakdown. And when she had the emotional breakdown, the dog ended up having a seizure. And it really scared her. And she believes that the reason the dog had a seizure was because the dog was reacting to her emotional state. And that's what prompted her to say, I got to clean my act up. I want to take care of this animal. I don't want what's happening with me to affect this other sentient being around me. Mm. And so that that's what really enabled her again to kind of move ahead and and make the changes. And and she's since, you know, met a wonderful man and she stayed sober and um, and with the strength of both her new relationship and her animals, she's been able to stay clean. But it's interesting, the New York Times just this past weekend had an article about a man that, that credits uh, his dog with being an important part of helping him recover from uh, alcohol. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's the examples are wonderful, and there's so many of them that you know the credibility of them get gets bigger and bigger in in, in many ways. Let's talk um, about the healing the mind piece because there's so many important things in that section. Also, one of your examples I mentioned at the break to Carol that we've had canine companions on the show, and they're fabulous and what they have helped our veterans with physically and emotionally is really astounding what i kept feeling when i was reading carol's book on rescue pets is i thought what an incredible resource rescue pets are because as you're going to hear some of them are starting without that formal um, truly wonderful training and yet somehow they're capable of reading the veterans' needs, and stepping up in a way that really becomes startling. So maybe we can start with Josh and Scout the Kitten. Yes, this is an amazing story and was also a short film that we did that was very, very popular. And Josh had an experience uh, overseas when he was serving where he was around a bomb that had gone off. And so he had a traumatic brain injury that he sustained from that. And when he came back to the States, 
he was really he was dealing with this this invisible injury because it didn't look like anything was wrong with him. And yet he had trouble concentrating. He had this huge sense of, of gloom and darkness that was enveloping him. And he had gotten to the point where he was considering suicide and he had gotten actually ready uh, to, to go through with that. He'd written a note. Um, he took a knife out and left it on his desk and he went outside to take his what he thought was going to be his last cigarette. And as he was outside smoking a cigarette, this black and white kitten crawled out from under the bush and just started meowing and climbed up into his lap. And it just, you know, caused this flood of, of tears and Josh. And here was this animal that just seemed to come to him right in his point of, of greatest need. And he started thinking about the animal and, and going, you know, here's someone that needs me. And it, it showed Josh that he had value. Mm. And, you know, what he talks about is that this animal recognizing him and wanting to be with him showed him that he was not a sack of damaged goods. Mm. And how powerful is that? I mean, just amazing. And he, he credits this little kitten coming out and at his, you know, darkest point with really, you know, turning, turning the corner for him. And so he started, he obviously decided not to take his life and every day started uh, feeding the cat and they developed a bond and I won't give away the story. It has great twists and turns yeah, right. um, in terms of how they ultimately uh, end up together. But, uh, you know, Josh is now married, uh, has a child, and he has gone on to work with other veterans and help other veterans um, in their rehabilitation. And he traces all of that back to Scout. Well, it's it's a fabulous story, and you're right. It, it's too, too amazing, the ending, to give it away. Um, but I will say... The way he passes it forward is part of the theme of this book, which is case after case, you hear of people helped mutually by mutually helping a rescue pet. They are helped and they then many, many cases pass it forward to others, other veterans, other students, other people who have suffered from physical injury or physical illness. And that's really the, you know, the expansive piece of this. It doesn't stay locked in the dyad of the owner and the rescue pet. It really seems to, you call it, uh, we called it, you called it the rescue effect and, and compared it to the butterfly effect. Yeah, exactly. Because What's happening as people heal, they're then able to go out into the world more fully. And that's what's happened. That's what happened with Josh. He healed and now he wants to give back. And Eric O'Gray, a wonderful story that, you know, was our first mutual rescue film. Uh, he's no longer selling appliances. He's raising <laughs> money to help uh, stop uh, animals being treated in, in medical labs, being experimented on. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, Grace went on to raise money to help other students that were affected by the Parkland shooting. And so when we're in pain as, as humans, it's hard for us to think about anything other than our own pain. But as we heal, because we've been through that experience, we recognize that others need help too, both animals and people. And that's the role. It's, it's the effect that we have when we heal that we can go out and create more healing in the world. It's really so powerful. I was I once heard a veteran speak, and in his um, message, he was talking about having, like Josh, been at the point where he was holding a gun to his head, and a call comes through, and he doesn't take his life, but he kept mentioning his dog. So when I was doing many of the pet blogs that I did, I called him, and I asked him, um, what role did, did your dog play in protecting you? And he said, my dog keeps me alive every day. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, 
And that really does fit in, Carol, with what we even know in terms of suicide protective factors, having a pet is one. And we see with, with these cases, not only the protection, but as we said just before, the passing forward, as he was doing on that stage, your folks are doing over and over again. Uh, one of your stories, I, I think the other thing that this gives an example of is mindfulness. You talk about that. You know, when when you have a pet sitting on your lap, that is a perfect opportunity to to really be in the moment. It, yeah, absolutely. It absolutely is. I know for myself personally that a pet grounds me into the present moment. They want you to be with them mm-hmm. and pay attention to them. And, you know, they're not on Facebook. They're not posting. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, they're they're right there in the moment. And because of that, they, they bring you into the moment, too. And I had the great pleasure of hearing Eckhart Tolle speak once. You know, he's the great spiritual leader. And he talks a lot about the role that animals play in us you know, for us in terms of mindfulness, which is when we are with them, it helps create just greater awareness and greater consciousness because we become grounded in the present moment. And what an amazing gift that is that they give us. Mm -hmm. And we know we've seen the research that shows the use of mindfulness really does reduce the fight-flight response, the hyper-arousal, and the the loss of self that often follows in the aftermath of terrible, tragic trauma. So we can see it's even such a healing, it's such a healing factor because it moves you right into mindfulness. Yes, it does. And I think the other thing that's really interesting, too, is people are working on their own meditation practices. There's, um, it's interesting. Sometimes it can be very hard to get in touch with a feeling, a feeling of love and compassion. And where a lot of people are able to start, it's like, you know, can you, can you, can you feel a sense of love and compassion for yourself or for others? And a lot of times people say, I can't access that. And then they're asked, can you feel it for your pet? Right. And that's the door. That is the door that goes, yes, I, you know, I feel love and compassion. May, may my, uh, you know, cat Herbie, may he feel my compassion and my love. And that's the door in. And compassion is a muscle. It, It needs to be exercised. We need to practice. And I think as we gain our confidence in feeling compassion and love with animals, that strengthens us to be able to extend it out to humans. Absolutely. It's like the bridge back. Yes. It's it's really wonderful. So we know of the power of pets with children um, in terms of learning now, pets in classrooms. But this particular focus, um, and and you really tell a wonderful story for helping children on the spectrum um, children who can't really relate as well with other people and other children. Uh, so I wondered if you would share the story of Alexis and Guinness. Yeah, so, um, well, Alexis Hurley is, uh, was the sister of Drew. And Drew um, has autism. And the really challenging thing in their family was that he never really was able to express or show love. And Alexis really kind of it really bothered her that her brother could never show affection to her. And one day she and her mother decided that they were going to, you know, adopt a dog. They thought that that might be helpful for Drew. And Drew initially was not interested in having this dog in their family. But Drew just, it was amazing. The the bond that Drew and, and, and Guinness formed was amazing. It was like Guinness kind of knew that Drew was his person. And they were sitting around the dinner table one night, and Drew looked over at Guinness, and he just said, I love you. You are my son. And everyone at the table, they, their mouths just dropped <laughs> wide open because they had never seen Drew express love like that before. And it became a source of comfort, actually, for uh, Alexis because she felt like, now I know my, my brother can experience that. And even if I'm, my relationship with him may not be the way I want it to be, I find great satisfaction knowing that he's able to experience love with this animal. 
So it really, it, it is amazing. And um, the the things that animals can do for children, I mean, you know, we've been talking a lot about kind of the the more challenging cases, but in fact, there's so much benefit to animals in many situations. One of the things that I personally love, I'm a big reader myself, and there's now evidence that kids will read to, when reading to animals, will improve their reading fluency. It's there great. Was, yeah, there was a study that was done that showed that third grade students, when they read um, to a dog for 10 to 15 minutes a week, improved their reading fluency by 12%. Wow. And homeschoolers home in the study saw a 30% increase. It's, it's terrific because there's no worry about being challenged or making a mistake. This is the perfect recipient of the story. Right. So it, it's great. It's a, yeah, I had noticed it too, and I'm so glad you mentioned that. We're going to take a brief break. Remember, everyone listening out there, feel free to call in if you'd like. We're going to take a brief break, and we're going to come back and talk about how Adopting a pet may even improve your relationship with your partner. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Join Chris Epting every week for the moment. Chris talks to some of the most amazing people you'll ever meet, including authors, artists, and athletes. And that's just the A-list. These celebrities and public figures have interesting stories that all showcase the moments that their lives took a certain dramatic turn, changing them forever and shaping them to be the person that they were meant to be. Listen for The Moment with Chris Epting. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. Hi, folks. We're back, and we're speaking with Carol Novello. She is the founder of Mutual Rescue and the author of the new book we've been drawing upon this book. It's wonderful. Mutual Rescue, How Adopting a Homeless Animal Can Save You Too. And Carol and I were speaking at the break, and we're going to talk now about pets and romantic relationships. So what kind of research do we have on this, Carol? Well, it's fascinating. There was a study that was done up in Canada that looked at folks that had pets and were in relationships, and they asked them, what influence does having a pet have on your relationship? And 90% of the folks mentioned factors that were positive, things like their pets brought them closer together, or they gave us practice in starting a family. Mm -hmm. And I I love that. And I think part of it is tied to the fact that 
you know, pets can help us with, with empathy and having a higher level of empathy in turn creates a, a greater commitment to one another. And it also just creates an opportunity to, you know, forge your identity as a couple uh, by having something that you jointly care about. Mm. When, when I was calling around the country on the topic of pets and relationships, people often said it was when they observed the future partner with their pet or with pets in general that did that was the deciding factor. So one woman said, when I saw how he took care of my sick cat and I knew he didn't even particularly love animals, I thought... I could live with this man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then one woman tells the story that her husband tells, which is he says she was a very big animal rescue person. So he said, so this was a woman who stopped every time we saw a dog that might be lost and even made me pull over when we saw a frog caught in a sewer grate along the road. And we had to release the frog. And he said, that's it. I have to marry this woman. (laughs) So so, uh, it's very often that show of just heart and love um, really, really is so reassuring to people that this will be a really good and loving person. Yeah, Um, I think we all want kindness in our lives. And when we see how people treat animals, that's an indication of their capacity to express kindness. Absolutely. I, I often say, and this is what, what made me write one of the blogs, that if a couple was in contention and they were coming to see me, there was nothing they were sharing that, that gave them any kind of positive, no positive looks on their face. Until I would mention, is there a pet? In which case, both would yeah. smile and rave about the pet. <laughs> And I, and, I, and that's what got me thinking. And one of the things that I shared in this blog was, wait a minute, when people say um, I get along better with my pet than my partner, it's because my pet loves me unconditionally. One of the things I invite in the little blog that I wrote that went so viral was, wait a minute, think of how wonderful we are with pets and if we treated our partners that way. Most people walk into their homes and say hi to the pet first. Hi, hi, Jasper. Hi, Callie. How's it? And, and, oh, hi, Tim. <laughs> it's like a different. It's a, it's a different feeling. It's a different voice. We also are very loving and accepting of the imperfections of pets. Now, and some of our rescue pets really are struggling to come back, even as their owners are. But it's okay if there are messes on the floor. One woman discussed how, on a regular basis, this rescue pet would eat the mail eat pantyhose that she had around, fine. But she would say, I can't believe my husband put the keys in the wrong spot. So she stopped (laughs) talking to him for that, but with the pets. And so I started inviting people to consider, think of how you are with pets and why it makes that connection so deliciously wonderful and loving. Pets are never afraid, very rarely afraid someone's going to divorce them or leave them, Carol. No ma- I mean, people will say, oh, we, 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 we went and we thought she was going to be a rescued, uh, a uh, guard dog, but she's friendly to everyone. She would welcome any intruder into our home, but we love her. <laughs> uh, or someone else will say, oh, the dog really licks every part of the body of every guest, but they get over it. This mm-hmm. would never happen with partners. So my big pitch was, think about what you accept and the benefit of the doubt you give and the fact that once a pet does something that upsets you, you let it go. Two days later, you don't say, and remember when you lost the keys? Doesn't happen. So that was my big pitch for really reversing it. But in general, all the calls all over the country found what you found and the studies found. People are very much benefited in their romantic relationships and in any relationship they have by the presence of a pet. Yeah, I absolutely loved your blog. And when I was researching attachment theory, I came across it and it really gave me pause. And this idea of presumed innocence is how you described (laughs) it, which is that you know, these the animals are not specifically doing something to annoy you. Now, of course, you know, we're taking, if you're in a relationship that is 
you know, abusive or something like that. We're taking outside, you know, that's outside the scope of this. But we're talking about day-to-day stuff, like you said, like misplacing the keys and just, you know, how annoyed or frustrated you get with that because your partner isn't doing it on purpose to annoy you. Just like an animal is not, you know, doing something, you know, pooping on the on the carpet. That's not, you know, there's something else that's going on there, but it's not about, you know, hey, I want to just annoy you. And what was so fascinating to me is that I found research on on marriages that basically said it wasn't asking about that that aspect of the pets, but it it showed that the the most highly happy marriages are those in which the partners have a sense of presumed innocence. Mm-hmm. And so it's true. It's it that that attitude that what we have towards our pets. That is proven in research to be what makes for the most successful marriages. Mm-hmm. Good. Now, one other story, which is quite the opposite that you share in the book that uh, just filled me with tears, is the story of a young woman in a very abusive relationship who has a rescue pet who's pretty timid and shaky himself. And... I think the story goes, you know which story I mean, Carol? I do, yeah. It's Amanda and Nigel. Okay. An amazing story, yeah. And it's this idea that, I I think what I love about this story so much is that Nigel, even with all of his problems, being timid and shy and whatever, he was willing to stand up for Amanda in the face of her abuser. Mm. And so what was happening is they were getting into a fight and and this man became threatening and the dog basically stood over Amanda and this dog, you know, again, fearful, but just looked at this man like, if you touch her, you will be sorry. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, Amanda realized, I mean, that was when she really realized that she was in an abusive relationship. She needed to get out. <laughs> And she basically, she grabbed the dog, she grabbed a, a, a basket full of clean laundry, and she got out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Brene Brown says that courage is contagious, mm-hmm. and that when we see others demonstrate courage, it helps us become more courageous, too. And in a sense, that's exactly what happened when Amanda saw Nigel standing up for her. He was courageous when she wasn't able to, and that became contagious and enabled her to not only leave the relationship, but make sure that she didn't go back. It, it's such a good story, and when the, when you describe the part where the ex, or the soon-to-be ex, is starting to throw furniture, she's laying down, and when that dog gets on top or stands over her, it's she, it's almost like when you're in a domestic violence situation, you sometimes don't realize how bad it is, but Nigel let her know how bad it is. Yeah. <laughs> and it was yeah. precious. It, it was a wonderful, wonderful example of a rescue dog rescuing her. Yeah, um, absolutely. So let's, I want to make sure we have time. Let's talk about, um, certainly we've talked about one of the things that is contagious and and people pass it forward is the sense of purpose that adopting a rescue dog offers. And we've, we've talked now about body, mind, heart, and connection. I mean, the, the positives that come out of these um, adoptions are really enormous. And you came up with a program to give people a little taste. Let's talk a little bit about the doggy day outs. Yes. So Doggy Day Out, it's not actually a program that we created, but what we did was we partnered with local shelters all across the country to get best practices and pull together a toolkit to make it really easy for local shelters to create this program. And what it is, is that you can go to your local shelter and take a dog out for the afternoon. So it's a low barrier to participation way to be able to engage with your local shelter. And if you go to mutualrescue.org, there is a tab there called Doggy Day Out, and you can find shelters in your area that have this program. And so it's a great way if you're not in a position to be able to adopt a dog, but you want to have the the benefits, the get out and get some exercise, get some of the emotional bonding time with an animal. Uh, that's a wonderful way to engage with this program. And what's wonderful, what we've seen with this program, obviously, you know, it's beneficial for people in terms of, of 
of getting out and about and getting exercise and the connection they have with the animal. But then people then become aware of their local shelter. They might ultimately decide they want to adopt down the road or volunteer in a more um, robust fashion or maybe even donate to support the work that's going on. And these programs are also getting the animals adopted more quickly because they're calmer when they're in their kennel back at the shelter. And very often, the very folks that have taken them on Doggy Day Outs help uh, advocate for these animals, putting their stories up on social media. Fredericksburg SPCA in Virginia, they've got a wonderful program. They were one of the, the first to implement in the country. They saw uh, their adoptions go up by 20% when they implemented this program because the community was just engaging more fully with the, the rescue animals. So I'm a huge advocate and encourage shelters across the country to download the toolkit and get it a program implemented if they don't have one. And if you're uh, interested in just going out and having experience, you can check out our directory again at mutualrescue.org on the Doggy Day Out tab and find a local shelter in your area that's doing these programs. The reason it made so much sense to me is because so many people told me if they walked around their neighborhood, no one spoke to them. As soon as they walked the dog, people spoke to them. So yeah. the fact that it opens up conversation is beneficial to the person who's decided to do the doggy day out. But it also invites people to possibly be interested in some of our rescue dogs, some of the shelter dogs. It just it's it's a plus plus on all sides. Yeah, and it's, it's not really a big great program. Commitment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's tell our listeners how they could become more involved in your initiative, how they could get your book and how they could see some of these unbelievable films that you've done. Absolutely. So mutualrescue.org is our website and you can find all of the information about our initiative. You can watch the short films there as well. Um, you can sign up there to get our newsletter and find out more about when new films are going to be coming out, what new shelters are adding Doggy Day Out programs. And the book, Mutual Rescue, How Adopting a Homeless Animal Can Save You Too, is available wherever books are sold. Okay. Um, Carol, I really want to thank you for coming on as our guest. I know the book just came out, so uh, I'm going to tell people it is, it's a beautiful book. You'll, you'll really enjoy it. Um, thank you also for recognizing the remarkable way that people and pets rescue each other. I think it's a concept that has happened, but you really underscore it for us. Um, so I want to thank you again for letting us know how pets and people can really save each other. Thanks so much, Suzanne. It was a delight to be here today. Thanks very much. I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this and any prior show as a podcast. This will be a podcast by 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You'll be able to find it on the podcast app for iPhones, iTunes, Skechers, Spotify. It'll be on my site. It'll be on the Voice America site. Remember to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Mostly, until next week, take care. Thanks. Take a look at the pets around you and hug them and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be well and be listening.